2001 Servoy founded again by Jan here. Now the team is 100 people. Again, ushering in really platform as a service, probably actually a little early to market. Now they're really, really hitting their stride with over 30 million bucks in AR on just a million raised. I love the efficiency there. Over a thousand customers today growing 30% year over year, less than 3% revenue churn annually and net revenue retention north of 100%. The economics are also healthy. $1 in, in terms of CAC, gets you a dollar of new ACV. So their payback period, less than 12 months. Again, 100 people based in remote locations as they look to scale and potentially raise uh, middle of 2019. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Jan Elman. He's an entrepreneur and the founder of Servoy. He's got an engineering background of experience in building great software companies. He's now competing in the low-code platform as a service space. Jan, are you ready to take us to the top? Yes, I am. All right. Let's talk about Servoy. What's the company doing? How do you make money? So I started Servoy 17 years ago based on the fact that I saw that developing business applications was way too difficult and taking way too much time. And still what we're doing today, we created a platform that makes it three to five times quicker to create business applications, both for internal corporate users and for ISVs, so independent software vendors that create standard off-the-shelf software. Okay. And you're a platform as a service, usually platform as a service you build, you know, by some degree of kind of data usage or utility. Is it, is it kind of recurring revenue? Yes. Uh, I would say 80% of our revenue today is, uh, is recurring. That's great. And what do you price around? What data metrics? So we price uh, uh, around the usage of the, of the platform. So with uh, typically with corporate users that can be uh, on a per user basis. With uh, software companies, we would typically charge as a percentage of what they charge for their product. So let's pretend you're a software product and you charge $10 per user. Then our cost would be a fraction, obviously a very small fraction of, of that cost. And it makes it very easy for software companies to get started. You're not investing tens of thousands of dollars to begin with the platform, but you can begin at a very low cost. And you're immediately seeing results by using the product versus building everything by yourself from scratch. So, so Jan, let me ask you a question. I'm sure you service a wide range of customers, but if I asked you to give me an average, what would you say the average customer pays to use your tool per month or per year? That varies because we serve to distinctly different uh, groups. So on the one hand, corporate clients. So for example, here in Los Angeles, we have UCLA as a customer. Within the hospital, they build custom software applications using Servoy, this is typically done at the departmental level. So you only have maybe 10, 20, 30 uh, users. There are also corporate clients that use Servoy site-wide. So they use it for all of their uh, software developers. Then you're looking at thousands of, uh, of, of users. Now, if you look at software companies, then because they're paying a percentage, uh, that can also vary depending on their own size. So usually, in reality, it's around 2% of their total uh, revenue. So let's say as a software company, you're you're billing 200,000 a month, then your cost to serve will probably be four to 5,000. So typically very much in the realm of what you'd be paying to your infrastructure uh, company typically, but now you get a full stack. So full development, testing, deployment, integration, and rapid application development tools. So Jan, would you say kind of that five grand per month price point, that's a fair representation of kind of your, your minimum, would you say, or is that closer to an average? I would say that uh, it's on the low end of our average. If you look at ISVs, it's sort of on our average when I look at corporate clients. I see. Very good. Okay. So I want to put this on a timeline now. You said you found, I want to make sure I heard this right. You said you found the company 17 years ago. That's right. Yes. You were ahead of your time. 
Yes, we were probably too early. So the first years we had a pretty tough time in uh, in selling this. How tough? And even now, um, it was it was very hard. It was finding customers uh, one by one. Uh, it was marketing was very difficult, and that has gotten much better in the in the past years. Where now the gardeners and the foresters have defined uh, low code as a as its own separate um, market. Although we feel that we are a bit in the middle, um, so we're not entirely in the low-code space, because while low-code is great, it's not very capable of building complex uh, business applications. It's usually only used for very small point applications. Our platform is typically used for broader applications. On the high end, you you would use tools like Java and, and, uh, and .NET, with which you can basically build anything, but you need a very high budget. You need a lot of people to to throw at the, at the problem. We nicely fit in the middle. So this used to be the 4GL space, so back in the days you had all these great 4GLs that you would use to build uh, business applications, and we live there. So right between uh, the low-code environments on the low end and and do-it-yourself platforms on the on the high end. Well, you survived the tough part. Now the mainstream is kind of more open to this kind of tool, and I think there's still a lot of growth ahead. That being said, over the past 17 years, Jen, how many customers have you scaled to today? So today we're serving a little bit more than a thousand um, uh, customers um, and growing at the moment. So in, in our first years, we obviously when you're growing from one dollar to two, you can easily double your <laughs> your revenues. In the past five years, we've sort of stabilized that at around thirty percent, and that's the revenue rate at which we can grow without doing external funding. We may be considering in the next few years now that the market is is much larger than it used to be to do an additional uh, funding round. And we, we believe that with an additional funding round, we could put the growth rate back to 100% year over year. And can you give me a sense, Janet, in terms of generally speaking, what your AR is at today? Well, as a, as a privately held company, we don't publish our, uh, our ARR, uh, other than just the metrics of how we're growing and, and the number of customers that we have. Mm-hmm. Well, m- something I'm doing here is wrong because if I take the thousand, unless unless you're going to totally surprise me here, a thousand customers times that 5,000 price point, which you said is on the low end of your average. If I multiply those together, that puts you at 5 million bucks a month. Now, maybe you are at 5 million bucks a month, but I'm assuming I'm doing some math wrong. Yes, because the uh, the corporate clients are at a little bit uh, lower, but yeah, we have that. We have a healthy uh, revenue within a company. We're, we've been profitable since fifteen uh, years as an organization. Well, congrats That's on that. That's also one of the reasons. Yeah, thank you. It's and it sounds like you're bootstrapped today as well. Well, we did one funding round in two thousand eight, so this is uh, ten years uh, ago, and the idea then was in two thousand eight we will need a lot more funding rounds, but so far we didn't have to uh, to do any so, so how much total, earlier, how much to date raised one million in in external financing everything else by the founders okay well that's good look i i think with under well i'd say i think with under a million considering you're in california you still can kind of wear your bootstrapped hat right y- yes we do, yes <laughs> what's the team size today how many people so worldwide, we're with uh, one uh, close to 100 uh, people today. That's great. And you said worldwide. So I'm assuming everyone's remote. So in the US, we have a pretty small team because we only have a sales and implementation organization. I started the company back in Amsterdam and I moved here uh, three years ago to help uh, grow the US organization. Uh, so the headquarters is still in uh, in Amsterdam. Uh, but if you look at new ARR, then the U.S. is now, U.S. and Canada are for us the, the fastest growing uh, market. 
we're going quicker than uh, than Europe. That's great. What uh, walk me through some of the other economics here in terms of keeping your customers? You know, more more kind of PA. You know, platform service companies are coming to the market. How sticky is the product? And the, obviously, the way to measure that is churn. What's your churn today, and how do you keep that low? So our churn today is uh, less than three percent. Um, That's low churn per month. The the churn per year is three percent. Yeah, but is it logo or revenue? It is uh, revenue and logo. Okay, that if your revenue if your revenue and logo churn are equal, that means that basically all your customers pay the exact same amount, which I know is not the case. Yeah, Um, I'm I'm sorry, I made a mistake. That's our revenue churn is negative. Um, So a lot of current customers are growing. Our logo revenue has been uh, at fairly stable at 3% in the past years. Sorry, I, I have to ask better questions. I meant your gross. Re- so you can't have net negative revenue churn if you're only looking at gross. So you're adding back expansion, obviously, there. But if we just look at your gross revenue churn, is that what, 1% or 2 or 3%, something like that? 3%. Yeah, okay, it is 3% revenue churn. Yes. Okay. So, so what that tells me, if your since your revenue churn is basically equal to your logo churn, uh, you're not seeing you know churn in one cohort. In other words, not just your expensive customers or not just your cheap customers are, are churning. They're kind of equally churning no matter what cohort they're in. That's right. Yes. Yeah. So we, we typically see churn at at the at the start of uh, of uh, getting a new customer on board. Uh, once you're or into the platform, once you've developed a bunch of applications, the stickiness is uh, is very good. Also, because you would have to redo your your applications. Um, for us, obviously, we have to stay up to date. You know, the, the moment we don't keep our platform up to date with, uh, like, three years ago, we had to go to HTML5. So we had to basically redo a lot of parts of the platform to support HTML HTML5. Five years ago, we had to deliver mobile for our customers to make sure that they could build and deliver great uh, mobile applications. So we really have to work very closely to our customers and really listen to what they need and also predict what we're going to need the next years so that we can start working on those capabilities. So it makes a lot of sense. It sounds like you are driving expansion revenue and it sounds like as you said earlier, if your expansion revenue is more than making up for that 3% lost revenue, your net revenue retention is north of 100% or said differently, your net negative, you have net negative churn. Is that accurate? Yes. That's great. Walk me through what, what your team members are focused on to make sure that these folks stay sticky. In other words, how many of the 100 are focused on onboarding or customer success? So we have uh, three teams at uh, at Servoy. One is the sales and marketing uh, team, and their responsibility is uh, is getting uh, new uh, clients uh, on board and marketing uh, the the product. Then we have um, a we call them an expert services team, and they're mainly uh, in charge of customer success. So they're in charge of once somebody decides to use our product, how can we make them truly successful? And we really switched our thinking in the past five years from inside out uh, to outside in what is really what they need, what is really how we can help them with uh, with our uh, product and platform. And the third group within Servo is R&D. So those are the, that's the team that builds the actual platform uh, so that the uh, expert services team and the sales and marketing team can then deliver it to our customers. And, and when we go to the back to the top of the funnel, Jan, when you look at acquiring new customers today, how aggressive are you being in terms of what you're willing to pay to get a new you know customer? Our customer acquisition uh, cost is is about uh, one uh, one year of uh, of uh, new revenue that they uh, bring in. So in about twelve to fourteen months, we recover from uh, from uh, customers that are onboarding onto uh, onto the platform. 
That's great. And and that $1 you spend to get that new dollar of ACV, where are you typically spending that besides your your people, your sales team? So it's uh, it's a combination of uh, online uh, marketing. It's a combination of shows that we do. It's also increasingly spend partnering. We partner with a couple of uh, technology uh, companies. One of them is uh, Progress uh, Software, a company based out of uh, Boston, where we help their customers to modernize on top of their existing uh, database and uh, and platform. And also increasingly in in vertical markets. So we have a, we are we have been quite active in healthcare. So we we will then spend time and money on vertical healthcare shows to exhibit there, to visit there, to sponsor and speak those uh, those kind of conferences. But increasingly, we see it moving towards uh, online spend. That's great. And Jen, you mentioned that you're, you're considering or you would maybe consider raising additional capital here in the near future. Walk me through what, what you think, what goes through your head when you think about fundraising. Well, there are two scenarios that are possible for us. One would be to have a strategic partnership with one of the larger vendors who is not yet active in this uh, space. Can you name one or two of them? Well, as an example, and and without being very specific, um, IBM and SAP um, and and nearly all of those vendors, Dell, um, want to move into this uh, market, into the space of uh, of low-code software development, don't have a current or don't have an up-to-date uh, offering. In terms of strategic partnerships, you'd more be looking at, for example, large ERP vendors. So one pretty cool thing that we're seeing our customers starting to do is they use our platform as their own platform. So imagine you're a software vendor, you've built an ERP, and now just like Salesforce, you want your own force.com. You want your customers to be able to build within those software applications. And that's how we designed our platform. We had this vision 10 years ago. We were too early. But now we are seeing our partners starting to do that. And for us, that's an additional sales channel. We see a partner, an ERP vendor that has maybe a thousand end customers, and they start to offer Servoy as a platform to their customers so those ERP users can build their own in-house custom applications. Makes sense, Jen. Is there, a, or is there an ARR target that you're waiting to hit before you seriously consider raising? Well, that's a good question. In the past two years, I've been very focused on building a scalable and reproducible uh, sales model and sales team here in the U.S. market. Before that, in the U.S., we were a little bit behind. We were doing okay, so we don't have to be crying about the revenues, but it was not very reproducible. So that's a key thing that we've put in place in the past two years. And we're sort of in the finishing phases of proving that and having that ready. So next year would not be unlikely for us to start looking at either a strategic partner or a or classic venture capital to further accelerate the growth. And, and with this new sales machine, you know, built that you've worked, you know, really hard to build over the past 12 months. I mean, what do you anticipate your kind of revenue goal being for the end of next year, end of 2019? Well, in in, in terms of growth, we if we do any funding, we would, we would like to see our ARR go back to 100% year over year growth compared to the 30% year over year that we're doing right now. Sorry, sorry. I didn't. I sorry. I meant before you look at funding to make sure that you go into that funding conversation with all the leverage and all the chips. What's what's your ARR target you want to hit before you seriously consider raising capital? Well, so this year we're going to do a thirty. So for next year, if we we're happy if we're going to hit forty with our with our existing cash flow without external uh, funding, and then we believe we're ready to uh, to make the next step. That's great. And so you know, if you're doing thirty million bucks in AR this year, that means about two point five million bucks a month. And you said you're growing about thirty percent year over year today, correct? 
That's right, yes. That's really healthy growth for only a million bucks raised back several years ago. And that means that about a year ago, November 2017, you guys would be, what, somewhere around 1.8 million bucks a month? Well, yes, the, the growth has been uh, healthy. and uh, But the, on the other hand, you have, to, you have to keep in mind we've been doing this 17 years. It's not like we started yesterday with $1. Hey, I like, I like slow growth. I, I lo- you know what I love, Jan, about what you've built? I love that when I take your ARR, and I, and I take your funding and I divide, you have 30 times the ARR versus what you've raised. There are very few companies that are funded that you can say that about. Right. So I think it's impressive. I think it's great. Okay, thank you. <laughs> not, not that my opinion matters, but I think it's impressive. <laughs> All right, let's, uh, let's uh, wrap up here, Jan, with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book? Um, well, my, oh, that's a good question. I have I haven't made a list actually in in quite some. What's the last uh, one you time. read? Uh, the last one I read is uh, "How to Fail at Nearly Everything and Still Win Big" uh, by by Scott Adams, and um, some don't consider it a business book, but a but a comic uh, book. He, he's just, he's hysterical though. He's a great writer. Yeah, and and he, he's very good in putting out how you should you should anticipate failure and enjoy it so that you can truly learn from it. And I think in the technology world, although we often say it, embrace uh, or fail fast and all those kind of buzzwords, we still have a big fear of really doing it and really admitting I was wrong at these 10 things and I've learned something from it. Yep. Number two, is there an under the radar CEO that you're following in your town? Um, under the radar? Hmm. Well, maybe what I'm most impressed about is is our CEO. So I've been CEO of the company for 15 years. And two years ago, my COO came to me and he'd been managing the company for me for about five, six years. And he came to me and he said, I want your job. I think I can do it better. And that was quite shocking. If you've been the CEO 15 years, it's a big ego step to go down and say, you know what, I'll go back into doing what I'm best at, which is evangelizing the company and, and the product. So he took over all these, this whole operational role from me and it has worked out extremely well for, uh, for the company. And a side benefit for me is I sleep a lot better at night without being the CEO. That's I still good. get to do all the cool things. How and, many, uh, how many hours of sleep do you get? I actually sleep eight hours uh, every night and I think everybody should. It's unhealthy to sleep less than eight hours. That's great. Third question here. What billing tool do you guys use? As you can imagine, with Servoy being a software platform and with a lot of engineers in-house, we built uh, our own. Would I do that today? Absolutely not. I had a sneaky Nobody suspicion that might be the answer. <laughs> All right. And uh, and what's your situation? Married, single, kiddos? I'm uh, married with uh, no children. No kiddos. And how old are you? I'm 43. Okay, Jan, last question here. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, I wish my 20-year-old self would know what things not to do. And that's my my main lesson for anybody who's starting a company. The key thing is, what are the 10 things that you're not going to do? Because you can you can waste your time on a lot of thousands of things that you shouldn't be doing. Uh, have a laser-sharp focus on, on what you want to achieve with your business and begin 
there and don't do all the unimportant things. Learn to say no, guys. 2001, Servoy founded again by Jan here. Now the team is 100 people. Again, ushering in really platform as a service, probably actually a little early to market. Now they're really, really hitting their stride with over 30 million bucks in AR on just a million raised. I love the efficiency there. Over a thousand customers today growing 30% year over year, less than 3% revenue churn annually and net revenue retention north of 100%. The economics are also healthy. $1 in, in terms of CAC, gets you a dollar of new ACV. So their payback period, less than 12 months. Again, 100 people based in remote locations as they look to scale and potentially raise uh, middle of 2019. Jam, thanks for taking us to the top. Thank you very much.